Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am your Dark Travels hostess, Vina. With just a few short days before Valentine's, I thought it would be the most excellent thing to do is to discuss the perfect paranormal date in Hollywood, California with my special guest, John. And we will conclude with the most romantically perfect movie, though not paranormal or scary, to end on your Valentine's Day night. John, are you there? Yeah. I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Oh, I'm, it's my pleasure. Have you been to Hollywood? Uh, my daughter lived there until very recently. Okay. So you're a little familiar with old Hollywood. Oh, yes. Any Valentine's date night there or... Um, I, no, I, I, we've sort of skipped the vacation. I mean, the, uh, any sort of holiday down there, we, when we're down or visiting and, uh, we, we like the midweek quieter sort of stuff, but, um, that doesn't mean my taste in movies aren't, uh, romantic. <laughs> so for, well, well, what's in- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, you, you, I don't think you've ever asked me why I would have a top 100 movie list. And the, the answer is I used to teach an uh, engineering academy for Caltrans. And we would take people from all over the state, and they would be brought in together, and you would never be with people that you knew. So everybody in your group of about 10 would be somebody you didn't know. So I gave them an assignment one time, um, pick the three best movies that were ever made. And they all looked at me like, what? What does that have to do with engineering? Well, that was their nighttime assignment. And um, meanwhile, I had to do the same thing. And one of the things I discovered is it's really hard to rate movies. So anyway, after much thought, Casablanca landed on the top and has remained there. Okay. So that's how I got started with it. So um, one of the things that we just we were talking about earlier is, you know, um, discussing a few paranormal activities, and then we'll talk about why Casablanca, not only number one on your list, but why you think it's the perfect movie. So let's give our listeners some good tips for a paranormal Valentine's Day night, and then we will discuss the the perfect movie, Casablanca, which I think is actually interesting because the perfect movie, I think, also has the same leading lady. So one thing to do is, in old Hollywood, of course, is a ghost tour. Have you ever taken a ghost tour in old Hollywood? I have not. 
I have taken a walk through the cemetery, though. Okay. So which cemetery would that be? Um, what's the big one with litter boxes? <laughs> I don't know. Would that be Hollywood Forever yeah. Cemetery? Yes, I think it is. Okay. So but before we jump into that one, because I have a wonderful suggestion for that one. Obviously, for the ghost tours, people can take ghost tours and learn where unfortunate tragic events have occurred, unfortunate deaths have occurred. They can also take types of tours that are related to specific films, like being a horror film fan. I would be interested in tours that focus strictly on where horror films were filmed or you can take a scavenger hunt or, and this one's actually something I did in Italy, was we took a tour that combined culinary stops along the way of, of very specific attractions. So obviously old Hollywood has a lot of fun things to do and offer, but obviously ghost tours would be my number one priority. And I did see a few that offer vampire tours. Have you ever had any vampire tours in old Hollywood? No, I have not. Okay. <laughs> not not your thing. No, I I do like I do like wandering through cemeteries and uh seeing who's there and and the you know, that cemetery has lots of famous people, but I do cemeteries all the time all over the place. Which brings me to my next paranormal suggestion for a perfect Valentine's date night is a picnic at what would be one of the most famous cemeteries is the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And they have just the plethora of celebrity gravestones, tombs, crypts. We're talking celebrities like Douglas Fairbank, Ru Rudolph Valentino, Cecil B. DeMille, who basically created the Hollywood uh, movie picture productions, but also James Manfield, just a variety of different actors. But they, this particular cemetery that would be awesome to have a little picnic as long as you obviously pick up and take everything you brought in. But like Dee Dee and Johnny of the Ramones are there. And this particular cemetery is also considered haunted. It is said that there are actually three different types of ghosts that tend to haunt this area. But one that they really believe haunts this area is actually Rudolph Valentino. Have you ever seen any movies about Rudolph or... Any? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Do you have a favorite? I don't think I've ever seen one with him. Uh, yeah, the, the silent films are um, a, a, really a different beast altogether than the, the, the talkies, so-called talkies. So it's been a long time, but my like, early girlfriend I had way back when, and that's getting way back, <laughs> like Rudolph Valentino, so... We would uh, watch those. Okay. I uh, would I would watch her more than I watch those. Okay. <laughs> well, my favorite movie, my favorite silent movie, is actually the original Cat and Canary by Paul Lenny. Absolutely favorite, hands down. But I do actually enjoy a Charlie Chaplin, The Tramp. There's one called Gold Rush. That was pretty fun. And actually, it has been said that Charlie Chaplin's mansion is haunted by Charlie Chaplin, but obviously it's a private residence, so. But, speaking of dead people, another 
thing to do maybe in the future because I literally just read that the Museum of Death, which was one of the suggestions I was going to have for this perfect paranormal Valentine's Day date night, is actually going to relocate. So it's apparently shut down just recently, but for future dates. Museum of Death is actually a really interesting place. It has a collection of serial murder artwork. We're talking photos of the Charlie Manson crime scenes. We're talking morgue photos, things from the Black Dahlia murders. We're talking execution devices, pet taxidermy, and just a variety of different objects related to death and for future reference they do offer self-guided tours which normally will last about 45 minutes but you're certainly welcome to linger longer they do not however recommend children obviously for the obvious reasons where 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 did you say it was the museum of moving but the museum of death actually there's two of them there's one in hollywood but it's relocating they haven't disclosed their new location but there's also another one in new orleans and they have similar things but they don't have the they don't use replica items so everything they see in these museums are the actual item so and that's i think is really awesome and when it they do relocate hopefully they'll keep their admission at 15 dollars. but you know who knows uh, they may have to pay a higher rent, so that might trickle down to admission. But either way, it is something to consider in the future after your Valentine's date night goes well. Now, Sounds intriguing. I know, right? I really, doing this makes me think of all these wonderful places that I missed the first time. I've been to New Orleans. I did not know about the museum. I would have taken the time to have gone there, but... But that is the beauty of hindsight. It is 2020. <laughs> now, <laughs> as if you were interested in doing something a little bit more upscale, there's always the theater, you know, taking your date to the theater. And one of the most iconic theaters in Hollywood, of course, is the Grumman's Chinese Theater. And it is haunted. Open for business in 1927 by Sid Grumman, this place naturally has a few haunts. It is said that a man by the name of Victor Killian, who was beaten to death in his apartment, which was located near the theater, he apparently likes to come back and wander about. It's possible he likes to see what's going on. I don't know. I don't think he's looking for his killer, but again, he didn't die there. He didn't live there. He didn't work there. But Victor is there. Another ghost that is at the Chinese theater is Annabelle. And Annabelle, she likes to hang around the red uh, curtains on stage. She likes to tug on people. And she likes to appear to people backstage. So you have poor Victor. You have little Annabelle. And then you actually have a former stagehand by the name of Fritz. He, unfortunately, hung himself in the area above the stage. So, if ever you get a chance, uh, I do know that this theater actually offers tours. But uh, right now with COVID, I'm not exactly sure if they're still offering tours. But definitely, definitely haunted and definitely something to think about in the future. Now, the interesting thing 
a side tidbit that I found out about this one is when they were actually smoothing out the, the cement in front of the theater, it was purely by accident that someone accidentally stepped in the wet cement and the idea of leaving hands and footprints was thus born. So, you know, thanks to this accident, there's over 200 concrete squares dedicated to the stars. Now, it is still considered a hotspot for movie premieres and other fun events. Did you ever have an opportunity to go there? To the Grumman's Theater? Yes. Just just the, just the outside and looked around and walked the Hollywood Walk of Fame with the Hollywood stars. Right. I don't think I even did that. I just drove by myself. <laughs> and obviously, when you're there and you're on a date, you may want to choose for a nice romantic dinner. But this being a paranormal travel podcast, I took a moment and looked around. And apparently, the restaurant off the vine, which is a beautiful turn-of-the-century style bungalow that was built in 1908, is haunted. So... You know, it's it's been there since the, the Roaring Twenties, the Great Depression, the golden era of stars, of movie stars. In fact, in the golden era of golden Hollywood, it actually would, people, famous people would come and have dinner there. For instance, it was owned by Beryl Wallace, which was a film actress, and the Earl Carol Follies would come there so you know a lot of famous people would come through but now burl who's a ghost (laughs) likes to hang out see what's going on and it's now considered one of uh, one of the most haunted restaurants now obviously after dinner if if you're traveling like i would be and you're interested in staying at a haunted place I suggest, but again, always do your research. (laughs) Remember Paris, guys. There is the beautiful Georgian Hotel. That one is actually located in Santa Monica. And it was built in 1933. It is an eight-story hotel. And it is one of the city's tallest hotels. Being as beautiful as it was, a popular hotspot for famous gangsters, and obviously the golden Hollywood elite. So we're talking Al Capone, Bugsy Siegel. They liked to visit there. In terms of paranormal activity, we're talking disembodied voices. We're talking people gasping. They could be heard gasping at the restaurants. We're talking how people will have activity happen while they're in the room. There was even a story of a gentleman who was in the middle of a shower and how he came out of the shower and he found his suitcase emptied. Another person found their covers on their bed turned down and the TV's on. So even when you're there, it sounds like the paranormal activity is very, very lively. And sometimes the ghosts apparently like to make phone calls. So (laughs) even the staff gets uh, some activities. Apparently there's a ghost that likes to call the clerk and laugh at them and hang up. So, and and the phone call would be coming from rooms that are not occupied. So, obviously, lots of fun activity going on there. And, like I said... Well, you know, your idea of fun sounds really (laughs) scary to me. (laughs) I'm a a big coward. I I don't like voodoo. I don't like ghosts. 
So you would stay away from the the Georgian. I think I would. Okay. It, it sounds a little <laughs> little too close to um, reality. Okay. The, the ground, the, the Chinese theater is a, is a different story. It's it's. Uh, I I think it's a little safer. Right. But if you got too many ghosts, if it's a place that you really 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 want to go to, I'm afraid. <laughs> well. Like I said, <laughs> well, this place is sounds like a pretty big hotspot. But if you were interested in finding a hotspot for the Hollywood Golden Era elite, then our next hotel is one you're probably going to want to avoid. And I'm, of course, referring to the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. And it is actually considered the most haunted hotel in the city. Open for business in 1927. So we're talking, you know, the transition from the silent era into the talkies. So Mary Pickford, Greta Garbo, they all have had stays there. In fact, Mary and Greta actually uh, frequented this particular hotel. And the first Academy Awards ceremony was actually celebrated in the ballroom of this hotel, The Blossom. By now, it's almost 100 years old, but over time, it's gone under renovation. And it is said that ever since the renovations in 1984, the spirits of the Roosevelt have been very, very angry. So like getting back to The Blossom, the ballroom, it is said that there's cold spots. They see staff has seen ghosts of a beautiful blonde woman in the mirror. You know, they they have heard strange noises in general, shadows, phantom typewriting, phones lift off the hook, and just a variety of different activity. But the cool thing about this particular place is that there are actually famous ghosts that are said to haunt it, this particular hotel. So, for example, Montgomery Cliff apparently likes to spend a great deal of time in room 928. He likes to brush up against his guests. He apparently likes to play his trumpet. And he likes to pace in the hallway like he did when he would be rehearsing his lines. So, room 928 for Montgomery Cliff if you're a big fan. It is also said that in the upper levels of the Roosevelt, where Carol Lombard used to live, she has been seen. She likes to wander around and, you know, check out what's going on. But one of the most well-known people that have been seen is actually Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe used to live there, and her ghost is often seen in, in the mirror of this room. She's like checking herself out. And that is room 1200. So lots of famous people. Lots of ghostly activity. As if they were still there. But in addition to all this. There's a little girl that apparently likes to wander. In her blue dress. Just wanders the hotel in its entirety. And going back to the Blossom Room. It is said that people from the Glitz and Glam days have also been seen there wearing tuxedos. So there's just a lot of things going on. Academy Award people, ghosts, little girls, trumpets playing played. Were you a Montgomery Cliff fan? I don't, how many movies did he even make? 
I know I've seen Montgomery Cliff in quite a few movies, but not not a not a giant fan. Marilyn Monroe, I might go there and uh, see if I could see her in a mirror. <laughs> that, that would be interesting. All right, All right. I'm a bigger Marilyn Monroe fan than I am Montgomery Cliff. Well, which one was your favorite? Which which one was my favorite? Which m- one of her movies? Some like it hot. With uh, Tony. Tony Curtis and. Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon, that's right. Yes. Now, I actually have yeah, not so seen that movie, but I do believe it is considered to be one of the most funniest movies ever made. If you were to run a list of the top it, funniest movies. I think it's a very good movie. It's clever, and then the ending is, is excellent. So, And it's a twist. Is it? Oh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a little twist, but it's but it's a twist. Right. I, I've not seen the movie. It is on my list. And as you know, I, I do watch a lot of different movies and do, you know, reviews on them. But for tonight and to, you know, bring our Valentine's Date Night to a wonderful conclusion, let's discuss what you consider to be the most perfect romantic movie ever. Well, that would be Casablanca. Way back when, uh, when it came out, the they won three Academy Awards. But it, it was kind of interesting because it, they won for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. And all of those were very well-deserved. But I think the combination of the other ones that rounded out the movie, editing, cinematography. Cinematography is a really interesting subject because nobody really knows what it means. <laughs> it means basically how does how does the movie look? Does it fit together? Are the are the views interesting? Does when they when they uh, show somebody does their emotions come through? And I think editing and cinematography are just kind of wrapped together. I don't really know how you could ever separate the two, but it got nominated for both and with good reason. So. It, it is a visually pleasing movie. And Bogart did not win for Best Actor. I thought he could have. Claude Rains was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and he didn't. And the last one that, that almost fits back into the cinematography and everything else is the music. There's great music in that, in that movie on so many different levels. Okay, so you mentioned music. You mentioned you know, great performances. What about, for instance, the writing? Oh, the writing is, is absolutely fabulous. The, the writers knew the characters for the uh, movie, and they knew the players who were playing them. And the players fit the role so well, they were just absolutely thrilled about having them. And, and basically, they really couldn't write a a poor line for these guys. It was a series of wisecracking one-liners. They're cynical, and but still just kind of worn out, uh, which I can relate to. One of my favorite lines at the beginning of the movie, near the beginning, General Major Strasser asked Humphrey Bogart's character, what's his nationality? I'm a drunkard. And that, that makes him a citizen of the world. So... <laughs> So and then, definitely uh, of, an opportunity for Bogart zingers. That's oh yeah, there were there were a lot of Bogart zingers. You know, um, 
one of the other things, though, that with with that great cast, if a line wasn't very good, they weren't afraid to change it. The the one in particular that comes to mind is Hogart sitting at the table. Uh, Rick is sitting at the table, and he's drunk, and he says, "Of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine." Well, the original line was, "Of all the cafes in all the world." She walks into my cafe, and uh, Bogart went. This isn't this isn't a cafe. This is a gin joint, and uh, so he rewrote the line, and it, it you know it's one of the classic lines of the movie. Right. Even though it is actually Rick's cafe, so <laughs> it is Rick's cafe. Oh yeah, it is Rick's cafe. But Rick's, you know, it's kind of like that that cover. Just because it's called something doesn't mean if you get inside, that's what you're going to find. Right. Right. And just like you might find ghosts in places where you don't really think they're going to be there, but yes, they are. Right. Newly newly built homes suddenly have a poltergeist situation. Why do I have a poltergeist right. in a new home? Now, in our previous discussions, you had mentioned that you felt that this was the quintessential love story. Absolutely. It is a love triangle. Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, who happens to be the most beautiful woman in her time in Hollywood, and I've got another thing I want to talk about her real briefly in a second, have met before, knew each other, and find themselves again in Casablanca, but this time she's got a husband with her. And the story is how these three manage their future with the, the situation. The love triangle, one of, you mean. One of the, <laughs> the rope love triangle. Yes, absolutely. And there, there's a line that is that is just so good that's said in the in the movie. And uh, it doesn't take it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to, to a hill of beans in this crazy world. You know, and, and most of the time, most movies where you got uh, a love triangle going on the problems of the world pretty much outweigh them and certainly did then. Right, because it's, for those who aren't familiar with the backdrop of this story, this is during World War II and the Nazi occupation of Casablanca and Africa, or Northern Africa, rather. Let me, let me, let me in, inject a little here. Uh, Casablanca opens with a globe um, in that, in that, scene that we know most from the Indiana Jones films and it shows Europe and North Africa and it shows a trail that the refugees followed uh, trying to escape the Nazis in uh, 1942 and they traveled to Casablanca hoping to be able to catch a flight or a boat or something to Portugal, Lisbon, Portugal where they could escape uh, and go to the United States the, one, of the, one of the great lines in the movie in the beginning is by one of the characters who is unnamed, and he's sitting there going, he's looking up at the plane flying over, head, heading for Lisbon, and he says, waiting, waiting, waiting. I'll never get out of here. I will die in Casablanca. And that just kind of displays the fear and despair that these people had in, in this terrible time. Right, because of the occupation of the Nazis? Because of the occupation, and, and they didn't know whether uh, Casablanca was going to be next, where the, where the Germans took over full force. Half of Casablanca was a French territory, 
but half of France was occupied by the Germans, and the other half had basically acquiesced to the Germans, and even though they were, quote, free France, they weren't very free at all. So they were afraid that things were going to get worse. So with this backdrop, with this beautiful leading lady, with this, you know, actor that should have potentially should have won the Academy Award with his great zingers, and it all comes together to make what you consider to be the perfect movie. So let's talk about um, the symbolism and the outstanding ending. I mean, nobody obviously wants to give it away, the ending, but... It's right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You, you're not gonna hear the ending from me. <laughs> okay. um, one one of the great lines of, of uh, towards the end of the movie, and it and it applies not just to the movie itself, but to the world at that time. And Rick says, and he's talking about his relationship with Ingrid Bergman's character Ilsa, her husband. It's still a story without an ending, and. Obviously, in the movie, it's the, the three of them. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if she's going to stay with, with Bogey or if she's going to go with her, her freedom-fighting husband. But on a bigger scale, we didn't know how the war was going to end. When, when the movie was made, there was still three years more fighting to come. We take it for granted today that we know who wins this war. But they didn't know in 1942. They had no idea when this movie was made what was going to happen. Uh, taking it for granted wasn't, isn't a good thing because if, if Hitler had got the bomb before the end of the war, there's absolutely no telling how we would be today. So we sometimes we'd like better to be lucky. And, and I, I also told you, you know, my other comment about symbolism was talking about the, the state of the world. So another, another fun thing that happens in the movie, Rick gets a note from Elsa at the train station where he is supposed to meet her and he gets a note instead. And as he's reading it, saying that she isn't going to come, he's standing in the rain and the ink washes away. It washes away just like their love was washing away. So there are quite a few of those little, little bits like that in the, in the movie. That play into um, the, the mood and the setting and the scenes. Right. You know, that another thing that was, Really, one of the reasons that movie stands up so well is it portrays emotions that are very powerful. And at one point, Victor Laszlo, who's the underground leader in the, in the resistance of the Germans, gets the band to play Le Marseille, which is the French national anthem. And they start playing, and uh, everybody in, the, in Rick's is, is singing. And there's just this power behind it. And one of the American actors is looking around going, these people are crying. This is not, this is not acting for them. This is real. And, and in fact, only three of the main actors in the movie were American. One was Humphrey Bogart, who played an American. One was his sidekick, Dooley Wilson, who plays Sam. And the other is a, is a, is a whole other story in herself, but I won't get into her right now. But everybody else was from another country. Or 34 countries were represented. The German officers in this were all anti-Nazis. They were Austrians. They were German and fled Europe. So having a camp full of 
people acting to be refugees that were really refugees put a lot of power behind the, the emotions in the movie. Well, I can certainly imagine why, especially when you know your homeland is being invaded and you're far away from your homeland. You don't know how your family's doing. And here's this movie that, again, as you said before, speaks to the world. You know, we don't know how this is going to end. So, so definitely a lot of appeal on a lot of different levels for this particular movie. And but one of the other things I did want to point out that I've never actually seen this colorized. So it is in black and white, but you know, obviously don't let that deter you. Some of the great movies have, were filmed in black and white. Even, even past the black and white era, I am, of course, referring to Young Frankenstein, but that is a different story for a different day. I've probably seen this movie 30 times. When you see a film over and over, year after year, it's either going to get old and stale or it's going to grow on you. To me, it's like my favorite music album. I know every word of it. I'm not playing it every week like I did when I was 20, but I'm playing it all the time. So it's this wonderful uh, collection of thoughts. A black and white cinematography in a color world uh, doesn't necessarily fall apart. It's not important to the movie to be in color. I watched it twice this week, and I loved it. And I found uh, a couple little nuances that I had never seen before, if you can believe that. Um, in fact, it was the way it was originally made, you, you really couldn't even catch all the nuances. You had to see the movie over a few times. Uh, because there is flashbacks and things happen and you don't really quite understand or you can't don't notice this funny look or the twitch of the cheek where he's lying and it it is truly a wonderful movie and it and it is truly a wonderful love story it's the it is the quintessential love story and if you really want to know why you're going to have to see the movie and watch the end of it exactly but um, that is the reason why you would rec highly recommend it for the ending of the perfect Valentine's date night, even though it's not paranormal. That's absolutely. And <laughs> um, if you thought, if you really thought much about it, think about how many ghosts there are in Casablanca today, real ones. Right. Um, that might be a, a place for you to go, Vina, and uh, check it out. I know you love to travel. I do. I do. Uh, that, it would it'd be absolutely as, as exotic today as it's portrayed 80 years ago. I've actually never been to Africa, though, so. Well, you, you, you're only, you go north at all, you're in Europe, so it's barely, barely Africa. Correct, correct. It's right on the coast, so. Right. Anyway. And I think that is 20 miles or 10 miles from the, the bottom portion of Spain, so it's just a boat ride. Yeah, a little, little further than that, but not very far. This kind of concludes and brings everything together for the most perfect paranormal slash romantic date night you can have in 2021. So you can, you know, have a nice picnic at uh, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. You can do some ghost tours or some vampire tours or, you know, tragic places, event tours. You can go to the Grumman's Theater, check out the ghosts, see the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Tons of wonderful history there. Or you could have a nice dinner off the vine. And if you were out of town or just wanted to get out of the house, 
There's the the gray green and the Roosevelt. But to snuggle down and and pop that popcorn and conclude your wonderful evening, obviously, we recommend Casablanca. So that's what I have for tonight. Just a little bit of business. I do have my giveaway, my crime scene giveaway. And if you're interested and would like to put your your name into the bucket, all you need to do is send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com and simply just let me know what episode of my podcast is your favorite. Also, I'm on Facebook. If you're interested, just poke around and send me a request. I am still collecting listener tales. And if you have a paranormal experience, even at these places that we talked about or somewhere else that you'd still like to share, send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Final words from our special guest, John. Yes, Dana. My my closing line is going to be here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> and that is an excellent closing line. But until next time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are.